Well, hello everyone. Welcome to this Zoom call that you just joined. You didn't know you were joining a Zoom call, but you are today. And the word of the year has to be pivot. There might be some other words that you think are words of the year, but pivot is a big one, right? That's a basketball word, isn't it, Luke? Like, it is, yeah, you wrestlers don't know anything about that, but pivot, it is a basketball word. You just, you're turning, you're repositioning your body sometimes to turn away from something or to turn towards something and be more offensive. We've had to probably pivot in both ways this year. Yeah, Tom's a wrestler, and he can tell you we do a lot of pivoting in wrestling as well. Yeah, The game doesn't change. You just have to change direction, like you said. And so we've done that in our lives so many times, right, we, in, our, in our school and work and business. And, and Mountain has done this. We, back in March, big pivot into online, and you know, groups have pivoted. Everything's pivoting, pivoting. Well, this morning, uh, we realized we got to pivot again. Um, we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, who are we kidding? It's 2020, right? And, and so we, uh, we have been hard at work. Um, developing plans for regathering on weekends. You know, a lot of ministries has not stopped at all. But as you know, our weekend gatherings had, and um, we just felt like, man, it's just time. And as you know, you've been hearing us talk about it's, you know, the social, socially and mentally and spiritually, we just need to get together. Um, we need what the, the, the church offers by being together. And, and yet, as excited as we have all been about moving toward our regathering date of November 29. And we've been hearing all this stuff about the COVID rates, the new high of infections and spikes all over Maryland and Hartford County. And then the public schools do their thing with, with going online only. And then the governor comes on with his stuff. And, and then the, and the Department of Health saying strong public health advisory against gatherings of 25 or more. So there's this obvious, you know, heightened uh, awareness and concern around the things of COVID. And, and as we thought about, man, what we really hoped regathering would be, we wanted it to be this awesome time of building momentum and everybody coming together. And it's like, finally, woo. -hoo. And it just seems like all the stuff that's happening right now in this resurgence thing is I could not come at a worse time, to be honest. And, and you know, a lot of us have, have kind of lost some confidence that some of the new people that we were hoping would show up would actually come and that it would be the sort of momentum builder that we hope at least right at this particular moment because it's like we're a startup right now you know and and it, we need all we need it to be as successful as we can be we only get one shot at regathering so all i'm saying is in light of all of that stuff um as much as we long to be together and as ready as a lot of us are for that We've waited seven months and it seems like the prudent thing to do is maybe wait a little bit more until some of the present concern passes. So this is, uh, if you haven't already heard, the November 29 regathering has been delayed a little bit further. Don't know when, we'll keep you posted. I'd love it if it could be Christmas. I don't know, don't quote, don't hold me to that, but we'll, we'll keep you posted. The Bible does say in Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything, you know? There's a time for being born and dying and a time to plant and uproot. And there's a time for us to regather. We thought it was now, I don't think it is right now, um, so we're gonna we're gonna do the the flexible thing and and uh, and pivot one more time. So even doing this message is, is an example of the pivot thing because I had a message written, prepared, recorded, ready to go, but a lot of it, in light of this decision, just didn't quite really fit anymore. And so we it wasn't very good anyway. It wasn't very good anyway. So just as well. Thank goodness for second chances, because today we get to have something awesome with these guys all around. And um, before we get to that, even before we dive in there, um, just want to say, you know, even though we're not pulling the trigger on regathering right now, like we're just not ready to do that 
please, everyone, I just want to urge you as a, as a pastor, like, let this be a time where you are re-engaging with God. Like, it's just so important that we do that. Yeah, absolutely. James 4, 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So it's important to do that in this season. Right? Yeah, I think we've been, we've been trying to do that as Christ followers, but I'm aware of just so many people who have really disengaged from God in this season. We're trying to stay engaged. Our group is meeting tonight, actually, a small group. Uh, we're connected. That's been a source of life for us. It can be for a lot of mountain people. If you're disconnected, we're meeting on campuses in safe ways, socially distant ways, masked up. We're meeting online. I uh, got a text, you know, Mount 54 is still happening uh, for my fourth grader. Student groups have been going and jamming and students are still taking opportunities to connect and staying rooted, drawing near to God, drawing near to one another is just critical during this time. And there's lots of ways to do that, even though the regathering has to be paused. Yeah. In fact, we started out in the beginning of this with the dare to love and boy, we, we knocked it out of the parks, so almost 100,000 uh, acts of daring to love. Now it's dare to care. And there's all kinds of stuff on our website about that. The goal this time is 50,000. Uh, as of today, I checked, we're 13,617 so far. So we got a long ways to go. Check it out. We want to help administrators, caregivers, teachers, students, uh, not just locally, but all over the world. Things like Operation Christmas Child. Uh, a lot of you remember packing the boxes. So we want to get 1,000 boxes sent all over the world to these kids. Extreme Family Outreach, 800 star kids right here locally. Uh, we, can, we can bless families uh, right here in Hartford County. So go on the website. There's a lot of good information there on how to get involved with all that stuff. You mentioned, Tom, Christmas is coming. We haven't carved the turkey yet, but I was playing Christmas music today. And Christmas in a box for kids and families here at Mountain is a super fun thing. My cat even thinks it's so fun. Um, Christmas in a box is a great opportunity to um, have an activity with your family, to dive into the real spirit of Christmas, what it means to follow Jesus in the season, pulling lessons from our tradition of Advent. And so you can um, get Christmas in a box on our website, but I encourage you buy one for your family and buy one for your neighbor, buy one for their friends. It's super fun, engaging games and activities and videos for kids. Um, check out our website or ask a kid's pastor for all that information. So it's new. It's a different way. It's a way we've pivoted and changed and tried to just continue to be the church and stay connected with God and one another in this time. And really, the, the church has been trying to do that since it was since it was born. I mean, you mentioned Christmas. Christmas happened. That was a huge pivot. I, I'm sure if you ask Mary and Joseph, that was a big pivot. That, that was nothing that they were expecting. And thank goodness Mary's posture to say, well, let it be to me according to your word. And she was a willing partner with God. Um, the church, it, when it grew, Jesus gave it a, gave the church a command to expand beyond their current city to the country, to the next country, to the world. And, you know, they, they didn't really do that until they were forced out by severe persecution and suffering. And they're scared and they're really fleeing for their lives to all different parts of the world. Well, yeah, as their lives were upended, they were obedient and they carried out Jesus' um, intention and they were a kingdom community in, in all their different places where God sent them and they healed and they blessed and they taught and they lived out that calling and identity. So that's really kind of at the heart of who we are, always having to adjust no matter what comes and be ready to respond with obedience to God. And you see, you see so much of that in um, the life of Paul in the New Testament. And his story is told, um, not just in the letters he wrote, but in the book of Acts. And I wanted to share some things that I've been thinking about today as a result of this um, from his own personal spiritual journey that I, that I think um, this flexibility, this, this the ability to adapt is so powerful in him. But I, I wanted to, how did he get there? How did that happen for Paul? 
And so if, if, you know, if you don't know, this guy originally was by the name of Saul. And when you first meet him, he's literally in Acts 7. He's holding the coats of people while they stone this Christian named Stephen. That's who we meet him. He's like, he's like uh, uh, an extremist trying to just crush the Christian movement by literally crushing Christians. Acts chapter 9, he's on his way up to a place called Damascus to do a bunch more damage on this church and put out that Jesus movement as best he can. And, and that's when he has this sort of amazing sort of radical experience as he encounters the living Christ. And by the last verse of the book of Acts, which is Acts chapter 28, I think it's verse 31, it says this. It says, boldly and without hindrance, he preached, talking about Paul, he preached the kingdom of God and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Preaching boldly and unhindered. In fact, the very last word of the book of Acts is the word unhindered, like nothing's going to stop it now. So you got to ask, now, wait a second, how does that happen? How does a guy who's like, I'm an attacker of anyone who has anything to do with Jesus. Now I'm in like the biggest advocate in the world. Okay. So, and that's when you begin to notice like Paul goes through like stages of spiritual development, if you will. And we get to kind of watch it right in front of our, our eyes when you look at, at, at the book of Acts. And I just wanted to kind of give you what I think you could describe as like four stages of spiritual development. Think about your own life because that's going to help us know how to pivot and be ready to adapt in ways that God can really use powerfully. The first, first stage that we see in Paul and, and, and I would say in all of us is just what you call new commitment, like the new commitment phase. That's like when you're a brand new believer, like you sign on, you say, I want to follow Jesus. Your, mark is, your, your life is marked by a bunch of life change. And that was true in Paul's life, a lot of dramatic changes in his life. And uh, you're just freshly forgiven and the seed is planted. You're so excited. That, that's the new commitment phase. But then there's another stage that's really important to move on to. And that's, you could call it like deeper grounding, like where you're just getting more, as we say around mountain, rooted more deeply into the ways of faith. I know you all are teasing me for the way I say rooted, rooted into the ways of Jesus. Um, and, and that for Paul, that happened like, for three years out in the desert, it happened, you know, as he just kind of kept going deeper into the ways of God and, and like putting his roots down into the soil. So, so new commitment, then a deeper grounding, but then there's a third phase that, 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 root, that rooting part's really important because the third phase is problems and perseverance. And every spiritual development person that ever matures goes through this. And that's where, man, opposition comes at you. Like you're facing struggles and challenges all of a sudden like challenges to life, to your joy, to your faith. And some of that initial excitement you had back at New Commitments, like, where is that? I can't find it anymore. And you've got to decide if you're going to cling tenaciously to God in what is now a real, more robust faith or not. And it, it's harder. And, you know, I think 2020 feels that way to a lot of people. I mean, it's a lot of bad stuff happening. And I think God's wanting to see how it can be useful for us in this problem and perseverance stage of spiritual development. This is a spiritual opportunity for us. So all these problems, like what's going on in so many families and just mental health challenges. And you just think of all the challenges of, it's almost like a joke, you know, what, what's happened with 2020, the disappointments and all the stuff with pandemic and the election and all this stuff is so hard. Um, that's why some don't make it through this stage of spiritual development. And they just kind of, they kind of want to go back and they, they can't get through it. Jesus says some seed's going to fall and birds devour it or, or it gets burned up or whatever. And, and problems and pain 
can lead you to peter out in your faith and um but if you can persevere and hold on you get to a beautiful fourth stage which is really the intention i think of jesus all along and that is a stage of just like great impact just like you're, you're not you, when you move past new commitment past being grounded and make it through some problems and you persevere now you're a high impact and and, and because you've learned i got to depend on god and that when i do and I'm not just depending on myself. That's when God does some of his greatest work in me, through me, and all around me. So I just want to, I'm going to throw all that at us as a, just quickly say, well, first of all, think about what stage you're in spiritually, right? Like, are you at the new commitment, like just freshly forgiven, or are you moving on to getting more deeply grounded? And if so, how are you going to do that? How can you get, put some roots down in your faith? And if, and if so, are you prepared for some of the problems and challenges? And when they come, will you just hold on tenaciously to Jesus? Because that perseverance is where you get to the high impact stuff where it's like, that's where Paul was. And I wanted to share this, this idea that when you see Paul in the New Testament, after he's gone through all this persevering stuff, it's like crazy because he is so... Uh, flexible and adaptable. And that's the concept we want to talk a little bit about with you for a couple of minutes. Um, one of Paul's greatest dreams in life was to get to Rome. Because he believed if he could get to Rome, man, he would have huge influence for God and it would be amazing. So you've heard the phrase, you know, all roads lead to Rome, right? It was like, like New York City and DC and LA all rolled up into one, a cultural government center, capital, the hub of Rome and all that. If he could get there, he thought it'd be great. Um, well, here's the thing. Um, it was a dream from God, but it didn't turn out looking the way that he thought. Wait, wait, and here, here's the principle for today. If you're taking notes, you write this part down. It's catchy. When things are in flux, that's when you got to flex. When things are in flux, you got to flex. You got to be flexible when things go differently than expected. And we're, that's a huge word for all of us that are in so much disruption. So, so in Paul's case, this dream to go to Rome, he felt God was behind it. Um, he thought he was going to go into Rome and sweep in in a blaze of ministry glory. You know, he probably thought he'd walk through the streets and preach and have these huge movements and go to the synagogues and have these large crowds and go to the intellectuals like he did in Athens or go right up to Caesar's palace and influence the elite and start campuses all over Rome. I don't know what his dream was there, but he had a bunch of expectations about what that was going to look like. I'm sure of it. Um, but when things are in flux, that's when your faith flexes. And do you know how Paul actually got to Rome? Um, some of you guys do on the call. But, um, he gets shipped to Rome as a prisoner. <laughs> okay, He's literally in chains or on his ankles and, and arms. And, he, and, and he's on a boat, which, by the way, this hurricane comes up and there's this big shipwreck. And he's washed ashore on an island called Malta, where he ends up spending three months recovering. So it takes longer to get to Rome. It's harder to get to Rome. And the conditions when he gets there are nothing like what he expected. And I think that's the way life often is. Our best dreams and expectations are often that things are harder at a different time and just different than we expect. And um, I'll be honest, I, we have some dear friends that gave us a week in Southern Florida this week. And we were looking forward to that. It's our 30th anniversary. We we're gonna come down here and you know walk on the beach and sit by the pool and sleep in. And that was before we realized that tropical storm and hurricane 
Ada was also going to be here at the same time. So it's like 60 mile an hour winds, 70% chance of rain. And you walk on the beach, you get sandblasted and there's nobody by the pool because the chairs are blowing away. So it's like, you know, things are almost never like they expect, are they? And, and that's what it was for Paul. He gets there in chains. And I just think he's a great example, um, like in the middle of people who are living through a pandemic, uh, who are fully realizing this truth that nothing's how you expect it. Paul, Paul lives two years under house arrest. He's chained up to guards. And boy, does he ever know you, when things are in flux, you got to flex. Yeah, it's a good word. I tell you, Ben, when I think of flexing, I think of Tom uh, for obvious, for obvious reasons. Yeah, no, but, but really I spent a lot of time with Tom and Ben blessed. Uh, some of the things I've heard you say are things like plan ahead and be flexible. You travel around the world a lot. Those, that's a good mantra to get you around the world when you're going to different countries and cultures. Uh, you talk about having, living with expectancy as opposed to maybe exact expectations. Talk about those, what do you mean and how does that help us when things are in flux? Yeah, so we lived for 11 years in South America in Brazil as missionaries and nothing is a better uh, lab experiment for uh, flexibility than doing that, living internationally in another culture. So one of the things I love to do is train our people to go internationally and the first thing we do when, when we get them into a room to do an interview to, to, to kind of discern whether this person's right for the team, the first question we ask is, are you willing to be flexible? And everybody, as you would imagine, says, oh, of course, of course. Sure. And about 10% of the time, when we get to the field, the leaders know, okay, remember back, and they have, to, they have to call somebody out and say, remember when you said you were willing to be flexible? Well, now is the time to do that. So you, you learn that you've got to be flexible when you're out there doing that. So our, our motto is plan ahead and be flexible. Uh, we say that at the beginning, and then at the end, we say another phrase, which comes from Dwight D. Eisenhower, and this is the phrase, planning is everything, plans are nothing. So we start with, hey, are you willing to be flexible? We do the training, we set up some expectations. Everybody knows what they're going to do when they get there, as, as per the information that we know from our missionaries. And we plan for those things and we get all the materials together and ready to go. And we talk about spiritual warfare and the kinds of things that we're going to confront when we're there. But then we say at the very end, now, there's a huge difference between expectations and expectancy. So planning is everything. Those are some expectations that we have. I know, I know where I'm going. I know I raised the support to go there. I know where I'm going to be staying. I know all these kinds of things. But then I said to people when they're packing, I said, do not pack your expectations with you. Leave your expectations behind. And now we're switching over to expectancy. Expectancy simply means now we're going to look forward to what God has for us. What is it that the Holy Spirit's going to do like he did with Paul, changing all kinds of things, you know, way past Paul's expectations of what was going to happen. So I, we, we tell our people, listen, enjoy it. D don't, don't keep looking over your shoulder. Well, but I had that expectation of what it was supposed to happen. No, no. Look forward now and look with the expectancy that God's going to do way more than 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 we ever even could plan for. In fact, the St. Paul that, that Ben just mentioned, he, he says that to the Ephesians. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So Paul's saying that God's going to do way more, exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever even ask or imagine. So I love that because that prepares us to know, okay, God, knock our socks off. Do, do what only you can do. And, and that was the attitude of Paul that he wrote to the Ephesians because he had lived those very things. So plan ahead, be flexible, 
planning is everything and we're gonna do everything we can to get ready. But the plans, as Dwight D. Eisenhower said, the plans go out the window when, when, the, when you get on the ground and things start happening. So a couple of, a couple of things just real quick from our trips. Um, typically a person or two or three on a team of 15 to 20, they get sick. So they, they go down, they're in bed that day or two or three. Other people, we say, hey, we need you to fill in and do this. So they've already been prepared to be flexible and to step in and do something different. We had a disaster relief trip, go to Puerto Rico a few years back, and they went thinking they were going to work at the, the main church. Well, they got there, and the main church said, no, 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 no. Everybody grab all the stuff on that pallet, put it in these vehicles. We're going to go up into the mountains, and we're going to go door to door, and we're going to distribute this stuff. They made more relationships, prayed with more people than they ever would have had they, had they filled in the expectation that they were going to do. A couple of years ago, we went to Kenya and we were gonna work with, uh, we were gonna do some training for the special needs ministry. So our, we took some people along that were going to do that. Well, we got there and they said, you know, we're doing a little short training. Now we're gonna just play with their kids, the special need kids. So all of our team that was doing other things, we all stopped what we were doing, came together. And I can't even tell you the blessing it was for three hours to play on a playground in the dirt with, with about 15 special needs kids and just watching our, the team that we had prepared to go to get over there and just be amazed by what God was doing. The, the last thing we say to people is, God loves you too much to live up to your expectations. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. God loves you too much to live up to your expectations. He wants to do immeasurably more than we could ever even ask, imagine, or expect. And when we let him do that, well, I tell you, the, he heaven is the limit, if you will, in people's eternity. So lo love doing it. And all y'all, let's get on the trip when we can. Let's go out there and live with some expectancy. That's a great word, Tom. Thank you. I know I know you're eager to get back. You, you, this is like the longest you've been in the States at, at one I, time. Forever. I miss the smell of jet fuel in the morning, to be honest. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, such a great perspective, not just for traveling cross-culturally, but just for waking up and living life. Um, Greg and Emily, coming to you, we were meeting this last week talking about your wedding. You're getting married in 2020, no less. So Ben's been married for 30 years. You're trying to just get started on year one. And uh, a lot of people have been in that boat. And um, what do you got there? Nice, nice heart. Yeah. My, that's my graphics. Yeah, way to go. Uh, I guess just talk to us about that. What's that process been like? What have you learned and how have you had to remain flexible in a year when you're trying to get get a relationship going and, and get a marriage going? Yeah, sure, Luke. So um, something that you probably hear a lot, um, whether through secular wisdom or if you're two followers of Jesus, um, getting ready to go into that next phase of marriage is it's not about the wedding. It's like a constant drumbeat. It's a mantra that you hear over and over. It's not about the wedding. It's not about the wedding. It's not about the wedding. <laughs> well, guess what? That's a phrase that's simple in theory, but a lot more difficult in practice. But that's kind of hard to hear as a bride. And like, I can say it personally, like just from my experience, but also like walking with my sister this year as she got married and a couple of my friends who have had to plan COVID weddings, have weddings on Zoom all kinds of craziness. Like I realized that in all of this, my perspective has had to shift several times because the culture is very clearly trying to tell me that this is the biggest thing of your life. This is the biggest day of your life. And it's a great day and it's going to be a wonderful day and it's a wonderful gift. But I realized like after a while, I'm just like, okay, this is just a gift. Like this day is a gift, just like this marriage is a gift just like a good friendship is a gift, just like any milestone or celebration is a gift. But it's been really hard, like even in a year 
where to realize that in all these in the year where all those gifts seem to be like just being pulled away or just crumbling um and the perspective there I've had to realize is just like you know what these gifts come from somewhere and they're actually coming from God and he is good and he's the giver of good gifts he wants us to be blessed he wants us to have this wonderful day to celebrate. He wants us to have this marriage that can reflect him. He wants us to experience all of these good things as a way to be connecting with him and experiencing him more fully. And even while all of that has been like shifting sand underneath of us and all the planning's been crazy and a lot of things have not gone as expected this year, wedding and otherwise, I've realized like, okay, the giver of those gifts has not changed. If all these things are given for us to know him better, and to see him better reflect and under like reflected to us and understand him and experience his love, I can still experience all of those things, even without this gift, even without this wedding day being exactly how I imagined it in my head. Um, and without with these other things that COVID has really kind of taken away from us. So yeah, it's, it's not about the wedding and God's nature and his goodness is unchangeable. So what do we do in light of that? What are, what are some things that we can do? So here's, so here's three things that we have learned in this season. And are still learning. And are still learning. Um, you, you've never mastered this season because it comes around once in a lifetime. Um, so the first thing is it's okay to feel. It's okay to feel. These are stressful circumstances. These are difficult times. It's okay to be vulnerable and very real with God and express those emotions. And really in that, you have an opportunity for personal growth, but not only that, you have an opportunity to strengthen your relationship with God in ways that you couldn't even imagine. Second thing is, while you're in those difficult circumstances, sit in it and be still. Don't rush to make a decision or to come to a conclusion um, just because the situation is trying to shift you with it. Stay grounded and rooted in what the spirit is doing in the situation right now. Isn't that right, Emily? Yeah, and there's a piece of that where there's like a little phrase that we've kind of adopted for this season, and Greg even more so than me, because he's been working a lot of crazy hours in these last few months, um, and sometimes it just feels like insanity. Um, and the phrase Absolutely. is, instead of being like, <laughs> Instead of being like, God, like, why is this happening? Or why do we have to do this? Why are we going through this? Shifting it to God, what are you doing in this? It's like, God, like, what are the ways that you're trying to grow me in this? What, what are the ways you're trying to work in this? And that's been a phrase that we had to come back to consistently to really just kind of like still ourselves and realize like, okay, like God is still working. God is still God. It's going to be okay. So it's okay to feel, sit in it and be still. And finally, um, if it's not about the wedding, step into that reality. You've been afforded the time and the opportunity to actually live out the fact that it's not about the wedding. So start strengthening your relationship in order to point it towards God and use it to honor him. Don't waste the waiting. Yeah, it really boils down to that phrase, like don't waste the waiting. Sometimes I just wanna like, go sulk in the corner for like five months until my wedding day where I'll emerge all happy and like ready to begin my life. And then it's like, wait a second. That's like, God has so much work that he wants to do in me and through me right here, right now. And if I'm just sulking, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss the opportunity that he has for me to impact someone else's life or miss the opportunity for me to grow in knowing him better and just really realizing like, all right, 
don't waste this time. This is precious time and God has a plan for it and a purpose for it and he's working in it. And thanks for giving us a window into it. This is obviously a very precious time and a very personal time for you. So just being vulnerable about all the things you're thinking and feeling, letting us sort of sit in it with you and feel it with you because we do, but we're excited for you. So that's going to be great. Thanks for sharing. Hillary, coming to you, you work with a lot of our uh, interns. We, we have an intern program. A lot of kid, uh, I say kids uh, that are in a stage of life where they're figuring out where do I go? What are the plans that I, I'm trying to um, live out here? And so you're coming alongside folks trying to help counsel them through that. And then you have your own stories to tell as well, just as how you've discerned, how you've made plans, how you've seen those plans change and see God be faithful in all of it. Talk to us about some of that. Yeah, absolutely. I find myself um, holding on to one of the first verses I ever memorized as a kid from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will keep your path straight. Um, and I think that's that's just a common theme that I, I got to cling to. And what I've heard from all of our stories and all what we're sharing today is, is we're building trust muscles. Um, that's what I feel like I've been doing in this season. Um, there's tension and it's hard, but ultimately um, I know my faith is going to get stronger. Um, and we all have an opportunity to do that right now, to put our faith into action by trusting God, that he's got it no matter what's going on. Um, we practice trusting God, even when um, things are uncertain, when things uh, leave us disappointed and when things go differently than we've planned. Um, and I think that's the pretty universal thing that I uh, see a lot as I'm working with um, our interns and residences. Sometimes they have a plan and things don't go as planned. Um, and I feel like that's a pretty universal truth for all of us. Things just don't go the way that we planned, like Tom, you alluded to. We're thrown off course or we're disappointed in something or we're stuck waiting like you just shared, Emily. Um, and for me, that often feels like um, I just want to put this puzzle together. I want to get this puzzle finished, but I don't necessarily know what the box even looks like. Um, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I feel like we all feel like that sometimes. We've got these puzzle pieces, but we're not confident in how they work together. Um, and that's one thing I really love about my job is I get to wrestle through that with other young folks who are are uh, trying to put a puzzle piece together when it comes to their vocational calling. Uh, if you want to stress a 20-something year old out, out, ask them what they want to do for the rest of their life or where do they see themselves in five years? Because we just don't know. And I remind um, our interns and residents, you know, it's okay that we don't know. It really is okay. You know, maybe they've got this plan. They want to study this thing and they get down the road and, you know, classes end up harder um, than they anticipated or they realize, wow, I don't actually have an interest in this at all. Um, and that can be a really scary, stressful thing um, for someone because there are expectations put on us or what do we want to do with our lives is um, that's a big ask and really something that, um, puts a lot of pressure on people. And so uh, where I try to meet them um, as we're building the trust muscles together and reminding them we trust in God, he's got me on this path is don't worry so much about what you do, um, but worry about who you want to be. Um, you can worry all day long about what you want to do, what you want to do tomorrow, where you want to go to school, how you want to work, um, where you'll be down the road, what you want to do. Um, but put that to the side and think about who does God want me to be? 
who do I want to be? Like, what type of person um, do I want to be in this world? And I think that's the puzzle I like building and I like working alongside other people. Um, you know, sometimes it feels like we're falling off course, but I can remind um, my interns and residents and my friends, and I remind myself, do I want to be the type of person that can trust God even when things are uncertain? Do I want to be the type of person who knows that God is on this path with me and he's making it straight no matter what, even though things are um, just going like a whirlwind around me? Um, do I want to be a person who knows that God is always there, who is good and full of love and mercy? Um, and even when things are hard, even when things are not the way we want them to be, um, that we can still trust God is good and God is faithful. Um, and personally, that's played out in my life in lots of different ways from like major life decisions and even to like the small everyday moments. Um, and it made me think of, and this kind of reminds me of what you were saying too, son, Emily, being in the waiting. Recently, I was on a hiking trip um, over in Harper's Ferry and we had a lot of fun. It was a cold weekend and, you know, I didn't play basketball or wrestle. So, you know, I'm not um, the super in shape mountaineer, um, but I enjoy a good hike. And, but this particular one, you know, the three miles up were hard. Okay. Like I, it was hard, even though it was so cold outside, I was sweaty and it was steep. And I caught myself thinking like, man, can we just like stop? Like, this is good. We've gone far enough. I know the view is going to be fine, but like I could, I could go home now. Um, but I'm so glad I didn't. Like I finally got to the top and you look out at the view and it's beautiful. And you're like, oh, you take a nice breath, you cool down, you take in the beauty around you in nature. But what really hit me this time more than that mountaintop moment was the walk back down um, when the trees and the color of the leaves looked brighter and I could see down below the clear view of the city uh, the little town and then I I noticed flowers and animals I didn't even notice before and I thought man I was so focused on just get through the pain get through the pain like get to the top get to don't quit don't that I missed all the beauty around me in the hard stuff and I feel like that's a universal like a thing for all of us. Most of the time when we get through the hard stuff, we can look back and we see, yeah, God's hand was right there. Like I know God was with me. Um, but there's an opportunity in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the pivot, in the midst of the waiting, um, just like y'all alluded to, 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 um, to see what God is doing right now. Um, and so that's my encouragement. I want to be a person that even when things are hard, uh, even when things aren't going the way I expected to live with expectancy, to not let God, uh, to not miss what God is doing right now for us. And so um, I want to build some trust muscles. I want us all to build trust muscles as we, we strengthen our faith in Jesus and we keep working on our relationships and do the good kingdom work that we're still going to do. We haven't skipped a beat, um, an opportunity to continue to be uh, transformed into the likeness of Jesus with each and every pivot that comes our way. Um, that's just, you know, that's who I want to be. And that's who I want our interns and residents to be. That's who I think God um, wants us to be. So, yeah. That, that's a great word. Wow. Uh, inspiring for sure from everyone. Uh, and maybe that's what we mean. Building trust muscles. Maybe that's what we mean when things are in flux. You got to flex, right? We want to flex some of those muscles. Um, you know, the expectancy, that perspective. What would you say, Tom? God's, God is too big to live up to your expectations. Yeah, God, he loves us too much to live up to our expectations. Don't limit him. Let him do what he wants to do. Follow. Mm -hmm.
be faithful. Don't, don't, don't waste the waiting, you know, yeah. a, a couple who's waiting to get married to start their lives together and not wasting that is such a good word. I, I, I don't have much to add to that. I'm, I'm trying to live out all the inspiring things that you guys have said as a person who is trying to be a part of a family that's doing homeschooling, you know, God's peace to everyone, school-aged kids and families and teachers and everyone trying to just figure out how do we get on with this in, in a very uh, unpredictable situation and remain flexible. And uh, we've seen God at work. We're choosing to do the homeschooling in a thing that we never planned. We and never would have thought that we could even do it. And God's faithfulness has been evident. His goodness has been evident, even in all of the cranky times and the difficult times. And we're just continuing to trust and, uh, you know, it really, again, blessed and encouraged and called higher, I guess, even by hearing the things that you guys have shared on this call. So thank you. Yeah, so much, so much rich, good stuff. Thank you, uh, everyone, uh, for all that you, you shared. Uh, just reminds me of that classic verse. You can never quote it too many times, Romans 8, 28, that says, uh, God is at work in all things and for the good. For the good. Um, that's God's nature. And he's at work in this thing that we're going through right now. He's, going, he's at work in this, hey, we canceled uh, the, the, the relaunch. He's at work in whatever you're dealing with. And we've got to circle back full circle to Paul. Um, you know, if I think a lot, if a lot of us were under house arrest and chained up to someone, we'd probably say, dang, there goes my whole shot at doing the Rome ministry I had planned. You know, I'd be like, well, what's on Netflix, you know, or whatever, because nothing can happen here. Everything's shut down, right? Because um, Paul had a, a way that he did it. He would go to the city. He would go to the Jews and preach at the synagogue. That was what he did. It's what he expected to do, but he can't do any of it. But he flexes in that beautiful moment, shows that faith, and that obstacle actually becomes the very opportunity that grows his character but expen extends his ministry in a beautiful way. He says he calls together the Jewish leaders and says, hey, can you come see me? I'm in jail, but can you come see me? And they start flowing in. Verse 23 says they're there large numbers, and they're there morning till evening. And this goes on and on and on. And what's, what's, what's he doing? He's talking to him about Jesus. He's sharing the good news. He's planting these spiritual seeds, and they're leaving and talking and going back to the synagogue. And Paul is thriving in a situation that would have been very easy to get up in because that's the way God's work is. When, when you get to that sort of, I've persevered, I've seen God come through. And now I just know he's going to do that again. So he looked at that obstacle as an opportunity because he had persevered to that high impact level of faith. And I just want to be like that. I, 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 I'm inspired by the stories you guys are telling, whether it's a mission trip or, or a hike or, or a wedding or raising kids. I just think we've got to have this mindset of Paul and um, this, this, this beautiful thing. You know, here's a guy. He's chained up 24 hours a day. And he says, oh, He's not, the gospel's not, he's got a captive audience and, and he uses that as a moment of opportunity. So I just wonder what obstacle maybe is holding you back right now that if you were to trust God more fully and lean into it, like, like some were saying, that you could trust God to make an opportunity out of it, an opportunity for him, for you. Um, that's what Paul says. He says all that stuff, it, it served to advance the gospel. And by the way, if you've ever read the book of Ephesians, Philippians, uh, Colossians, Philemon, those books were written by Paul in jail. Um, he never would have had time to write that while he's out running around, but God knew what he's doing to how to, how to make something out of that. So just 
How are you going to look at the chains that you have on you, the challenges before you, the obstacles, limitations? Flex in faith so that that obstacle can become an opportunity. And I think that's that's a great word for us to, to close on today as a reminder to persevere through to that part of the part of our life in Christ where we can just um, know that God's going to use us for high impact. And I would say, Mountain Faithful, this is the time to persevere because it's probably hard for you right now. But do not give up. Um, press on. Don't wilt. And never, never give up and, and persevere for the sake of our Savior who persevered and never gave up on us. God bless you all. We love you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Amen.